Part two of Chirp the Third of the Cricket on the Hearth by Charles Dickens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. He rose up when it was broad day and washed and dressed himself. He couldn't go about his customary cheerful avocations. He wanted spirit for them. But it mattered the less that it was Tackleton's wedding day, and he had arranged to make his rounds by proxy. He had thought to have gone merrily to church with Dot, but such plans were at an end. It was their own wedding day, too. Ah, how little he had looked for such a close to such a year. The carrier expected that Tackleton would pay him an early visit, and he was right. He had not walked to and fro before his own door many minutes when he saw the toy merchant coming in his chaise along the road. As the chaise drew nearer, he perceived that Tackleton was dressed out sprucely for his marriage, and had decorated his horse's head with flowers and favours. The horse looked much more like a bridegroom than Tackleton, whose half-closed eye was more disagreeably expressive than ever. But the carrier took little heed of this. His thoughts had other occupation. "'John Peerybingle!' said Tackleton, with an air of condolence. "'My good fellow, how do you find yourself this morning?' "'I have had but a poor night, Master Tackleton,' returned the carrier, shaking his head. "'For I have been a good deal disturbed in my mind. But it's over now. Can you spare me half an hour or so for some private talk?' "'I came on purpose,' returned Tackleton, alighting. "'Never mind the horse. He'll stand quiet enough with the reins over this post if you'll give him a mouthful of hay.' The carrier having brought it from his stable and set it before him, they turned into the house. "'You were not married before noon,' he said, I think. "'No,' answered Tackleton. "'Plenty of time, plenty of time.' When they entered the kitchen, Tilly Slowboy was rapping at the stranger's door which was only removed from it by a few steps. One of her very red eyes, for Tilly had been crying all night long because her mistress cried, was at the keyhole, and she was knocking very loud, and seemed frightened. "'If you please, I can't make nobody hear,' said Tilly, looking round. "'I hope nobody ain't gone and been and died, if you please.' This philanthropic wish Miss Slowboy emphasised with various new raps and kicks at the door, which led to no result whatever. "'Shall I go?' said Tackleton. "'It's curious.' The carrier, who had turned his face from the door, signed to him to go if he would. So Tackleton went to Tilly Slowboy's relief, and he too kicked and knocked and he too failed to get the least reply. But he thought of trying the handle of the door, and as it opened easily he peeped in, looked in, went in, and soon came running out again. "'John Peerybingle,' said Tackleton in his ear, "'I hope there has been nothing, nothing rash in the night.' The carrier turned upon him quickly. "'Because he's gone,' said Tackleton, and the window's open. I don't see any marks. To be sure, it's almost on a level with the garden, 
but i was afraid there might have been some some scuffle eh he nearly shut up the expressive eye altogether he looked at him so hard and he gave his eye and his face and his whole person a sharp twist as if he would have screwed the truth out of him make yourself easy said the carrier he went into that room last night without harm in word or deed from me and no one has entered it since he is away of his own free will i'd go out gladly at that door and beg my bread from house to house for life if i could so change the past that he had never come but he has come and gone and i have done with him oh well i think he has got off pretty easily said tackleton taking a chair the sneer was lost upon the carrier who sat down too and shaded his face with his hand for some little time before proceeding you showed me last night he said at length my wife my wife that i love secretly and tenderly insinuated tackleton conniving at that man's disguise and giving him opportunities of meeting her alone i think there's no sight i wouldn't have rather seen than that i think there's no man in the world i wouldn't have rather had to show it me i confess to having had my suspicions always said tackleton and that has made me objectionable here i know but as you did show it me pursued the carrier not minding him and as you saw her my wife my wife that i love his voice and eye and hand grew steadier and firmer as he repeated these words evidently in pursuance of a steadfast purpose as you saw her at this disadvantage it is right and just that you should also see with my eyes and look into my breast and know what my mind is upon the subject for it's settled said the carrier regarding him attentively and nothing can shake it now tackleton muttered a few general words of assent about its being necessary to vindicate something or other but he was overawed by the manner of his companion plain and unpolished as it was it had a something dignified and noble in it which nothing but the soul of generous honour dwelling in the man could have imparted i am a plain rough man pursued the carrier with very little to recommend me i am not a clever man as you very well know i am not a young man i loved my little dot because i had seen her grow up from a child in her father's house because i knew how precious she was because she had been my life for years and years there's many men i can't compare with who never could have loved my little dot like me i think he paused and softly beat the ground a short time with his foot before resuming i often thought that though i wasn't good enough for her i should make her a kind husband 
and perhaps know her value better than another and in this way i reconciled it to myself and came to think it might be possible that we should be married and in the end it came about and we were married ha said tackleton with a significant shake of his head i had studied myself i had had experience of myself i knew how much i loved her and how happy i should be pursued the carrier but i had not i feel it now sufficiently considered her to be sure said tackleton giddiness frivolity fickleness love of admiration not considered all left out of sight huh? you had best not interrupt me said the carrier with some sternness till you understand me and you're wide of doing so if yesterday i'd have struck that man down at a blow who dared to breathe a word against her to-day i'd set my foot upon his face if he was my brother the toy merchant gazed at him in astonishment he went on in a softer tone did i consider said the carrier that i took her at her age and with her beauty from her young companions and the many scenes of which she was the ornament in which she was the brightest little star that ever shone to shut her up from day to day in my dull house and keep my tedious company did i consider how little suited i was to her sprightly humour and how wearisome a plodding man like me must be to one of her quick spirit did i consider that it was no merit in me or claim in me that i loved her when everybody must who knew her never i took advantage of her hopeful nature and her cheerful disposition and i married her i wish i never had for her sake not for mine the toy merchant gazed at him without winking even the half-shut eye was open now heaven bless her said the carrier for the cheerful constancy with which she has tried to keep the knowledge of this from me and heaven help me that in my slow mind i have not found it out before poor child poor dot i not to find it out to have seen her eyes fill with tears when such a marriage as our own was spoken of i who have seen the secret trembling on her lips a hundred times and never suspected it till last night poor girl that i could ever hope she would be fond of me that i could ever believe she was she made a show of it said tackleton she made such a show of it that to tell you the truth it was the origin of my misgivings and here he asserted the superiority of may fielding who certainly made no sort of show of being fond of him she has tried said the poor carrier with greater emotion than he had exhibited yet i only now begin to know how hard she has tried 
to be my dutiful and zealous wife how good she has been how much she has done how brave and strong a heart she has let the happiness i have known under this roof bear witness it will be some help and comfort to me when i am here alone here alone said tackleton oh then you do mean to take some notice of this i mean returned the carrier to do her the greatest kindness and make her the best reparation in my power i can release her from the daily pain of an unequal marriage and the struggle to conceal it she shall be as free as i can render her make her reparation exclaimed tackleton twisting and turning his great ears with his hands there must be something wrong here you didn't say that of course the carrier set his grip upon the collar of the toy merchant and shook him like a reed listen to me he said and take care that you hear me right listen to me do i speak plainly very plainly indeed answered tackleton as if i meant it very much as if you meant it i sat upon that hearth last night all night exclaimed the carrier on the spot where she has often sat beside me with her sweet face looking into mine i called up her whole life day by day i had her dear self in its every passage in review before me and upon my soul she is innocent if there is one to judge the innocent and guilty staunch cricket on the hearth loyal household fairies passion and distrust have left me said the carrier and nothing but my grief remains in an unhappy moment some old lover better suited to her tastes and years than i forsaken perhaps for me against her will returned in an unhappy moment taken by surprise and wanting time to think of what she did she made herself a party to his treachery by concealing it last night she saw him in the interview we witnessed it was wrong but otherwise than this she is innocent if there is truth on earth if that is your opinion tackleton began so let her go pursued the carrier go with my blessing for the many happy hours she has given me and my forgiveness for any pang she has caused me let her go and have the peace of mind i wish her she'll never hate me she'll learn to like me better when i'm not a drag upon her and she wears the chain i have riveted more lightly this is the day on which i took her with so little thought for her enjoyment from her home to-day she shall return to it and i will trouble her no more her father and mother will be here to-day we had made a little plan for keeping it together and they shall take her home i can trust her there or anywhere she leaves me without blame 
and she will live so, I am sure. If I should die, I may perhaps, while she is still young, I have lost some courage in a few hours. She'll find that I remembered her, and loved her to the last. This is the end of what you showed me. Now it's over. Oh, no, John, not over. Do not say it's over yet. Not quite yet. I have heard your noble words. I could not steal away, pretending to be ignorant of what has affected me with such deep gratitude. Do not say it's over till the clock has struck again. She had entered shortly after Tackleton, and had remained there. She never looked at Tackleton, but fixed her eyes upon her husband. But she kept away from him, setting as wide a space as possible between them, and though she spoke with most impassioned earnestness, she went no nearer to him even then. How different in this from her old self! No hand can make the clock which will strike again for me the hours that are gone, replied the carrier with a faint smile. But let it be so, if you will, my dear. It will strike soon. It's of little matter what we say. I try to please you in a harder case than that. Well, muttered Tackleton, I must be off. For when the clock strikes again, it'll be necessary for me to be upon my way to church. Good morning, John Peerybingle. I'm sorry to be deprived of the pleasure of your company. Sorry for the loss and the occasion of it, too. I have spoken plainly, said the carrier, accompanying him to the door. Oh, quite. And you'll remember what I have said. Why, if you compel me to make the observation, said Tackleton, previously taking the precaution of getting into his chaise, I must say that it was so very unexpected that I'm far from being likely to forget it. The better for us both, returned the carrier. Good boy, I give you joy. I wish I could give it to you, said Tackleton. As I can't, thank ye. Between ourselves, as I told you before, eh? I don't much think I shall have the less joy in my married life, because May hasn't been too officious about me and too demonstrative. Good-bye. Take care of yourself. The carrier stood looking after him until he was smaller in the distance than his horse's flowers and favours near at hand, and then, with a deep sigh, went strolling like a restless, broken man among some neighbouring elms, unwilling to return until the clock was on the eve of striking. His little wife, being left alone, sobbed piteously, but often dried her eyes and checked herself to say how good he was, how excellent he was, and once or twice she laughed so heartily, triumphantly, and incoherently, still crying all the time, that Tilly was quite horrified. "'Oh, if you please, don't!' said Tilly. "'It's enough to dead and bury the baby, so it is, if you please.' "'Will you bring him sometimes to see his father, Tilly?' inquired her mistress, drying her eyes. 
when i can't live here and have gotten to my old home oh if you please don't cried tilly throwing back her head and bursting out into a howl she looked at the moment uncommonly like boxer oh if you please don't oh what has everybody gone and been and done with everybody making everybody else so wretched oh the soft-hearted slow-boy trailed off at this juncture into such a deplorable howl the more tremendous from its long suppression that she must infallibly have awakened the baby and frightened him into something serious probably convulsions if her eyes had not encountered caleb plummer leading in his daughter this spectacle restoring her to a sense of the proprieties she stood for some few moments silent with her mouth wide open and then posting off to the bed on which the baby lay asleep danced in a weird st vitus manner on the floor and at the same time rummaged with her face and head among the bedclothes apparently deriving much relief from those extraordinary operations mary said bertha not at the marriage i told her you would not be there mum whispered caleb i heard as much last night but bless you said the little man taking her tenderly by both hands i don't care for what they say i don't believe them there ain't much of me but that little should be torn to pieces sooner than i'd trust a word against you he put his arms about her neck and hugged her as a child might have hugged one of his own dolls bertha couldn't stay at home this morning said caleb she was afraid i know to hear the bells ring and couldn't trust herself to be so near them on their wedding day so we started in good time and came here i have been thinking of what i have done said caleb after a moment's pause i have been blaming myself till i hardly knew what to do or where to turn for the distress of mind i have caused her and i've come to the conclusion that i'd better if you'll stay with me mum the while tell her the truth you'll stay with me the while he inquired trembling from head to foot i don't know what effect it may have upon her i don't know what she'll think of me i don't know that she'll ever care for her poor father afterwards but it's best for her that she should be undeceived and i must bear the consequences as i deserve mary said bertha where is your hand ah here it is here it is pressing it to her lips with a smile and drawing it through her arm i heard them speaking softly among themselves last night of some blame against you they were wrong the carrier's wife was silent caleb answered for her they were wrong he said i knew it cried bertha proudly i told them so i scorned to hear a word blame her with justice she pressed the hand between her own and the soft cheek against her face no i am not so blind as that her father went on one side of her while dot remained upon the other holding her hand i know you all said bertha 
better than you think but none so well as her not even you father there is nothing half so real and so true about me as she is if i could be restored to sight this instant and not a word was spoken i could choose her from a crowd my sister bertha my dear said caleb i have something on my mind i want to tell you while we three are alone hear me kindly i have a confession to make to you my darling a confession father i have wandered from the truth and lost myself my child said caleb with a pitiable expression in his bewildered face i have wandered from the truth intending to be kind to you and have been cruel she turned her wonder-stricken face towards him and repeated cruel he accuses himself too strongly bertha said dot you'll say so presently you'll be the first to tell him so he cruel to me cried bertha with a smile of incredulity not meaning it my child said caleb but i have been though i never suspected it till yesterday my dear blind daughter hear me and forgive me the world you live in heart of mine doesn't exist as i have represented it the eyes you have trusted in have been false to you she turned her wonder-stricken face towards him still but drew back and clung closer to her friend your road in life was rough my poor one said caleb and i meant to smooth it for you i have altered objects changed the characters of people invented many things that never have been to make you happier i have had concealments from you put deceptions on you god forgive me and surrounded you with fancies but living people are not fancies she said hurriedly and turning very pale and still retiring from him you can't change them i have done so bertha pleaded caleb there is one person that you know my dove oh father why do you say i know she answered in a tone of keen reproach what and whom do i know i who have no leader i so miserably blind in the anguish of her heart she stretched out her hands as if she were groping her way then spread them in a manner most forlorn and sad upon her face the marriage that takes place to-day said caleb is with a stern sordid grinding man a hard master to you and me my dear for many years ugly in his looks and in his nature cold and callous always unlike what i have painted him to you in everything my child in everything oh why cried the blind girl tortured as it seemed almost beyond endurance why did you ever do this 
why did you ever fill my heart so full and then come in like death and tear away the objects of my love oh heaven how blind i am how helpless and alone her afflicted father hung his head and offered no reply but in his penitence and sorrow end of part two of chirp the third